As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like me, Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the USC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. Hello again, Broncos country, and thank you for joining us on yet another episode of the Orange Weekly Podcast. Please, if you like what you hear, if you're enjoying what you're listening to, subscribe and rate our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or any other podcast listening device that you may be listening on. Here at Orange Weekly, we are all about football and football only. We do not discuss politics. We are just football fans. So you will not hear us talking about where your favorite player is taking his or her kids trick-or-treating on Halloween only this week's matchup inside the minds of the players and coaches and an in-depth look into what you should be expecting this coming week. This week, your Denver Broncos are heading for a much needed win after going 0-2 out of the bye week and getting shut out for the first time in 25 years. It will not be easy as we head into Arrowhead Stadium to take on a Chiefs team that is not only top of the division, but also on top of the AFC. If ever there was a time for a rebound and momentum starter, this is it, Broncos fans. So, let's do it, Broncos country. And as always, we're going to bring it in to start it off with the Mad Fanatic. Orange, man. I'm rocking orange, man. Always got to rock orange, that's the side roll. All right, Broncos fans, here we are coming off of a very disappointing loss and one that has gotten a lot of Broncos fans pretty heated and the social media has been coming out in force after that the first shutout loss in 25 years. We are heading into a Monday night game against the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium. And as always, Matt is here to help us break down what we're going to be looking at with the Chiefs and what we're going to be expecting from them coming into Monday night. We'll go ahead and start this off with our first segment, as always, is I Told You So. I Told You So. All right, here we go. What do you think, Matt? What did What did you tell us from that very disappointing Uh, 25-year record-breaking loss to the L.A. Chargers. I did not know it was 25 years since uh, the Broncos were shut out. That's uh, that's remarkable. Really amazing they have that streak going on. That's past news. Right now, what I told you about last game is that uh, Trevor Sinian would get sacked multiple times. Uh, He was hit uh, five times, full sacks five times. Um, He was hit a lot more. He was pressured quite a bit. He got bruised up a lot in this game, and it, it showed in his performance as well. Joey Bosa just had a field day. Yeah, it, it was unfortunate. And, you know, Bosa had two sacks. Ingram had one, and then one got called back for a personal foul. It was it was a lot of pressure on Simeon. He just, I don't know what it was that was happening on him. He just wasn't, like we were talking beforehand, you know, when the times that he had time to throw in the pocket, he wasn't throwing. And the times that he was rushed, he just seemed so indecisive, and he just... You know, he was really off his game, so I don't know if it's the offensive line to blame, if it's the defensive line's talent for the Chargers, but it, it really had an impact on Simeon. 
Yeah, and and obviously everyone wants to point blame early on on our team, but the, the Chargers defense does have a lot of talent, especially in the pass rush. And when we get put down that early, as early as we did, and we we need to start going to the throw, and they have that pass rush that they do. It's it's kind of a recipe for disaster, especially having Manalik Watson out. So that didn't help at all. So my I told you so is if I can even say any, the fact that we got shut out is kind of rough enough as it is. But we did stop the run pretty well, especially in the red zone. After we gave him the ball on our own 20-yard line after the first fumble from Jordan Taylor, we gave him the ball pretty pretty easily. Got him down. They got him down to one-yard line because of a pass interference call. And four times in a row, we stopped him. So our defense is still playing pretty well. We just need to be able to support them with the offense. The offense needs to be able to step up and point put points on the board so obviously we're not getting shit out but my i told you so is the defense did stop the run all right so now on to our next segment in who would have guessed who would have guessed so still talking about that chargers game what did you not see coming matt so i didn't see that the broncos wouldn't be able to run the ball against the number 32 run defense last week uh to be honest you know cj anderson had only 44 yards rushing which i think is you know it's a sad number to see against a team that would allow about 153 per week on average so whether it was again that you know the broncos got a little bit too nervous early on since the Chargers had a couple early scores or they weren't able to move the ball and you know who knows what it is but they just can't seem to stick with the run, which just seems to be hurting them quite a bit this year. So I'm I'm still very surprised at the fact that they haven't put that much pressure on the run against such a poor running team, or running defense, rather. Yeah, and I think uh, all Broncos fans around the world will echo those comments. <laughs> I think nobody really saw that coming and was really hoping that we could, especially at having the run be our strength for through the first four weeks yeah to not have that happen in the in this game against the number 32 rush defense is just unheard of yeah absolutely so the one thing that i wouldn't have guessed uh, one of many things i wouldn't have guessed about that game was simeon's poor play uh, and, and not just simeon but the whole offense you know getting shut out in for the first time in 25 years obviously having 25 years of a of a streak is, is an amazing streak to have however uh, Simeon had one interception. He lost a fumble. He was missing checkdowns. He got sacked a few times. Some of those were his fault. Uh, they weren't completely the offensive line fault. So I know there's a lot of people out there, and I'll, I'll get to this a little bit later in the podcast, you know, calling for Simeon's head and calling for Brock to, to start or, you know, try to get Paxton Lynch back early or even trading. I know there's a lot of NFL analysts asking us for, to trade for Eli Manning or Kirk Cousins or <laughs> anybody else that might be out on the. Wait, wait a minute. They're, they're calling to trade for Eli Manning as That's an actually, you know who it was? Was uh, Deion Sanders came on NFL, or NFL Network and said that, yeah, he, that we should trade for Eli Manning to try to get, you know, because of Elway's relationship with the Manning family, we should try to get Eli Manning to help improve our offense. What? <laughs> Deion Sanders is out to lunch. I'm sorry, Deion. I love you, man. But, my God, back that up a little bit. Eli Manning would not at all improve the Broncos. Yeah. Dear God. <laughs> so so going ahead, we're obviously going to need to fill a hole, but I think Simeon's going to be our man. And unless he gets hurt, and, you know, Vance Joseph said at the beginning of the year, he's going to be our man going through this season, and we have to have some faith in him uh, to be able to bounce back from a couple bad games. We could put the pass behind us and look forward to this all-important game against the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead on Monday night, Monday Night Lights, uh, against an Andy Reid team who's doing very well in the AFC and is just having a really good uh, season so far, offensively for sure. That segues us into our next segment, which is Brain Games. 
brain games. All right, we can't talk about coaching and brain games without bringing up the future Hall of Famer and the, in my opinion, mastermind of the West Coast offense, Andy Reid. All right, Matt, tell us what you got on Andy Reid. Well, that's um, that's a great introduction for Andy Reid. I mean, this guy's a future Hall of Fame head coach. Um, he had an incredible amount of success with the Eagles, and then when he was uh, let go from that organization due to you know cultural change, basically, um, he went right away to Kansas City, which people uh, I remember sort of questioning at first, but it's paying dividends right now. He has built one of the top West Coast offenses in the league. It's built on ball security, versatile players, intelligence, and speed. His receivers are um, they're all smaller guys. Uh, Tyree Kill's 5'10", Albert Wilson's uh, 5'9", uh, De'Anthony Thomas 5'9", but these guys are ridiculously fast, and they really fit well into his system. Andy Reid is going to bring what he's been bringing every single week so far this year to the Broncos. The offense itself is going to be run very meticulously. They're going to exploit weaknesses as well. Andy Reid loves to throw around a few little trick plays here and there. It's it's a lot of you know tight end shuffles to Travis Kelsey. It's a lot of handoffs in the backfield. Tyreek Hill. It's a lot of jet sweeps. It's a lot of quick screens. It's a lot of things that you know keep a defense on on their heels really, and force them to pay attention every single play. So that gives an offense an advantage as well. Yeah, he's going to be bringing a lot of heat in this division game, especially if they're at home under the lights, like you said. They're going to be fierce competitors against the Broncos. Yeah, I agree, and and something that should be mentioned too is Matt Nagy is officially down as the Chiefs' offensive coordinator. But as you were saying, Andy Reid's running that offense. It's not. Oh yeah, Nagy's not calling the plays. It's more of a title for him, right? Yeah, I mean, Nagy is, uh, he was the QB coach for Smith um, for the past five years. You know, he's just been having a lot of success with Smith. They've built a great relationship. Smith has been performing at a very high level in the past uh, number of years as well. Well, I mean, high level, he's not necessarily a Tom Brady or somebody who's been putting up, you know, statistically great numbers. But at the same time, he's the only quarterback this year who hasn't thrown an interception. Then he's thrown 15 touchdowns. Last year, I think he threw 15 touchdowns total, and right now it's week seven. He's on he's on pace for you know a really great year. And on top of that, too, he's he's thrown for 1,900 yards. He's number two right now in the league for most yards just passed. He's he's getting better every year. He's got that great continuity on um, or rather with the system. And I think Matt Nagy's had a big role to play. So when uh, when Doug Peterson left the Chiefs to go head coach for the Eagles, they had Brad Childress in there for a year as the OC, and then Matt Nagy is assistant OC and now. Matt Nagy's the OC, but like you said, I think it's more of a title. It's more of a a job with responsibilities. While he's really uh, close and, and coaching Alex Smith, where Andy Reid will be calling the plays, designing the offense, making a lot of the big decisions on offense in terms of personnel and and all that stuff. So, watch him have a big impact. But I think his impact is more of mentorship and friendship, in a sense, to Alex Smith to help them, uh, you know, get the success that he's been getting. Right. And, and you mentioned that the Andy Reid West Coast offense is built entirely on ball security. You know, they have yeah. no interceptions, one fumble. And I think that was Kareem Hunt in his first game, his first carry of his career and has not exactly has not dropped the ball since, which is, is amazing for him. And and the speed, the speed you were telling the receivers are so short, but they're so fast. Like all of them are yeah. just uh, un, unreal speed. So and we'll get to that a little bit later. But Joe Woods has his hands full trying to stop that West Coast offense. And, and so far, there hasn't been many teams that have been able to stop it so far this year. So we need to figure out a way that if when they start spreading us out, that we can be spread, but not spread too thin to make sure that we stop Kareem Hunt because they have 
the athleticism both at receiver and at running back to be able to to switch it up on us at, at any pace and you know they still have Travis Kelsey at the tight end position that they can release out so Joe Woods is going to have his hands full trying to call a, a good defense to be able to stop that spread and it'll be the first time that we've seen a, a true spread offense so far this season I think the next one we'll see is probably uh, the Patriots here in a couple weeks after this game but mm. Um, he's going to have his hands full. So I think what he's going to try to do is he's probably a lot of nickel packages. Uh, you're going to have to go in a couple dime packages depending on the down and distance. And it's really going to come down to how our linebackers play. Now that he has a little bit more depth with Shane Ray being back, he can he can keep both Shane Ray and Von Miller in there, take out some of those a couple of those middle linebackers and put in a couple of speed defensive backs. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's how the players line up and match up as well. I mean, Travis Kelsey right now is a team-leading receiver. And he's a tight end, so he's going to be mostly covered either by a safety who's usually too small to cover him or a linebacker who's too slow to cover him. But then you have Tyreek Hill who's another, um, you know, he's the number two receiver. Kareem Hunt is the number three receiver. And uh, Tyreek Hill is also the number three rusher on the team after Alex Smith who's number <laughs> two. So, you know, like these linebackers are going to have their hands full because all three of these guys are in the backfield and they're the responsibility of the linebackers, really. Yeah. And so for them to cover these guys is going to be uh, Joe Woods better uh, better stay up a few hours late this week because he's going to be... Uh, He's going to need to be on top of it. There's going to be a lot of game film watching because oh, yeah. there definitely is a fine line with you know being able to to prevent the outside from being you know getting to the edge and being a speed team, but also not opening up the middle for the the runs up the middle, which Kareem Hunt's been able to take advantage of so far. So mm-hmm. he's definitely going to have his hands full, and he's going to have to study a lot of tape this week. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's flip the ball and let's go to the other side. So the Chiefs' defensive coordinator is Bob Sutton. What do you have on him? Bob Sutton, he's an old, wise defensive coordinator. He's been having a lot of success with the Chiefs over the past five years. Um, he's also been the defensive coordinator for five years, since 2013 when Andy Reid showed up. So it's they have a good system there. You know, the, the continuity is in that organization, which is fantastic for the Chiefs. Before that, he was a Jets uh, coach. He coached the linebackers, some DBs, and uh, he was with Rex Ryan for a number of years too. So he has great experience, and he's put together a really strong 34 defense. This year, they're not as strong strong as they've been in the years before they lost Eric Berry in the first game which hurts any team it's you know it's your emotional leader it's your physical leader so it's been a bit of a tough transition but he's still got great personnel and he's still got a lot of players that uh, that excel at their positions and they're top in their positions such as Marcus Peters and uh, Justin Houston and uh, Chris Jones so it makes a big difference but as a defensive coordinator he's um He's very talented. He's very skillful. He's seen it all, really. He knows how to call a game. He knows how to stop offenses with a lot of success. Um, actually, I'll put an asterisk on that. Maybe not last week when uh, the Raiders and Derek Carr just lit him up. Um, that's, you know, like you said, everybody's got a bad game from time to time. I don't think it'll necessarily repeat itself. But, uh, no, he's, he's a great DC. His 34 defense is very solid, very disciplined. Um, he's also able to move around into a nickel formation, a dime formation, depending on the down and distance. But I think he, based on the fact that he's had the same system for five years, the same amount of, the same core players for five years as well, the same captain on the defense with Derek Johnson for that amount of time, I think this defense is a lot more focused on the athletes executing versus creating a different system to outmatch an offense. So these guys know their system really well, and it's all about the execution on the field. So I think that's really where Bob Sutton shines as more of a mentor as opposed to a creator for this defense, which, you know, in the long run has a lot of benefits, and I think that the Chiefs are a really strong team because of it. 
Yeah, so let's do a little role play here. You're Bob Sutton going into mm-hmm. this Bronco game. You've you've watched the last two games. You've watched how little uh, success the offense of the Broncos have passing the ball, and you know how we we can have a good success running the ball. But the last two teams have been able to shut us down. So you're Bob Sutton going into this game. Are you loading the box, or are you going to just stick to your basic game plan and just let your athletes be athletes? I am isolating Justin Houston one on one with probably the right tackle if I can. Um, or D4, D4 is really good too. And the way I do that is I, sh- I put him a bit on a wider outside edge on that offensive tackle, and I do an under front with the rest of my D line. So I, sh- you know, have a nose tackle against the center, and then I have my three tech against the guard, and then the other defensive end or outside linebacker against the other tackle. And then just to make sure that the guard doesn't help and double cover the uh, the outside rusher and Justin Houston, I have my middle linebacker really take away his his attention. He's he's mugging up, the, up on the line. He might be faking a blitz to distract him. All these sort of things. I want to make sure that I have my strongest outside linebacker against the weakest offensive tackle and constantly putting pressure on Simeon. And then on the back side of that, I leave Marcus Peters on an island as well. This guy has been a shutdown corner ever since he got into the league in 2015, and I trust him to just take out the best receiver for uh, for the Broncos, which is probably Demarius Thomas at this point. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I allow Ron Parker, Daniel Sorensen, the two safeties to, you know, mosey around that back end of the field and make sure they're doing their reads. Uh, Terrence Mitchell has been a pretty solid up and down sort of corner this year. He's been getting a lot of attention since Marcus Peters is so good. Um, so, again, I'm going to put a lot more support to that side. And the rest of it is just about executing a disciplined game. You know, the last thing that we want is is to, to make stupid mistakes. And I think with this defense, with these players, veteran players as well, not a lot of young guys on this team, um, they're able to execute that. But it really, to rehash what I said, it's about getting pressure on Simeon and, you know, putting a lot of support with Terrence Mitchell to allow Marcus Peters to be one-on-one with his guy. I think that's, that's how they're going to get the success. Yeah. Okay, so normally I talk about, you know, what Mike McCoy is going to be doing going against the defense coming up that week. But I do want to mention real quick before we get into that is that Mike McCoy seems to be kind of on a hot seat after the last two, four games of the season. And he hasn't mixed it up a lot. There hasn't been a lot of change in his in his game plan. You know, we obviously have the it, it seems like it's almost too easy to map out. We, you run on first and second down, then you try to throw. And then if we get down, then we just try to focus on the throwing and, and and it just hasn't been working we don't really game plan or change anything after we we go down by a couple scores so Mike McCoy is going to have his hands full being on the hot seat not only for uh, the season but for his for his job after the season and obviously this is his first year back in Denver he's been in Denver before he, he did good things with the Chargers I, I'm not counting him out I really like Mike McCoy as an offensive coordinator but at some point you're going to have to change it up you're going to have to figure out what's going on you're going to have to get with your quarterback figure out what he's comfortable with and you're going to have to start changing things up in my mind, you're going to have to start throwing a lot more screens. We've threw maybe one or two wide receiver screens that can get eight, nine yards every time we've thrown them so far. We haven't thrown, I think, maybe one running back screen. And if that's where Trevor Simeon is comfortable, that's where we have to go. And if he's not comfortable throwing downfield except for once or twice a game, then you know let him throw it once or twice a game. But we have to get a better game plan to get those that ball out of his hand faster, and our receivers need to be able to get open a lot faster out of that. So that is all on Mike McCoy. We talked about it earlier that there's, there's a, a three-prong issue going on with the offense, and that starts with the offensive coordinator and Mike McCoy changing things up and getting his players in a better position to make plays and get those yards and get us into the red zone and then get us into the end zone eventually. So 
All right, moving on from brain games, now that we've heard from the coaches and find out what their mentality is going into this Monday night game, we're going to talk about some of the players to look out for, some of the players that we think are going to be the key players going into this game and the ones that can really make a difference to sway the game one way or the other. Survival of the fittest. We'll go ahead and start, as always, with you, Matt, and who do you think are going to be the key players to look out for on the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday night? Well, on the offensive side of the ball, um, we can talk about the big-name players like Kelsey and Hill and Hunt and Smith and all that stuff, but I'm going to dial it back a little bit. I'm going to talk about a couple guys. One is Albert Wilson. He's the uh, number two receiver right now for the Chiefs. In terms of yardage, he's the number four guy, and I'm also going to talk about... uh, Probably Demarcus Robinson right now. He's he's you know sort of the part time number three receiver, but he's also uh, number eight or nine or something like that in terms of catches and yardages and all that. But the reason I'm talking about these guys is that Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey are going to attract, and Kareem Hunter are going to attract a lot of attention from the Broncos defense, from Joe Woods, from all the players. So they're going to do their best to isolate them. And then on the back side of that, how do you beat that? Well, then you use your your supplement players. You get guys like Albert Wilson. Now you might not know he's not a big uh, you know household name, but he's a pretty good athlete, and he's going to be a guy who's going to hopefully be catching a lot of balls across the middle, taking for big yards. He's smaller at five nine, so he's a bit harder to key on to key into if he's uh, if he's farther back physically. You know, if it's it's hard to see him really, so it's hard to really follow him across the field when there's a lot of traffic, which gives him an advantage. I think he's going to be a player that's really going to make some noise this week. He's going to be somebody that you know you don't necessarily expect to score, but he might score once and even twice. He's got 221 yards right now, and he's averaging about 13 yards per reception, which shows that you know on average you throw this guy, and he's going to get you a first down at least. So that's that's a really good sign of a great receiver. And um, on the defensive side of the ball for the Chiefs. I'm going to talk about Terrence Mitchell. Now, we talked about just briefly in brain games here, but he's a guy that uh, is playing opposite Marcus Peters, who's a pro bowl, all pro corner. And Terrence Mitchell gets tested a lot, a lot, a lot. He's got 39 combined tackles this year, which I think is number two on the team. He's got 34 solo tackles, uh, which shows that, you know, he's getting a lot of attention, but he's closing the gap. Uh, he hasn't had a sack yet or any follow. He's playing, he's playing corner, so it's, you know... It's not not expected of him either, but um, he doesn't have an. Uh, he's got two interceptions, sorry, this year. So he's you know he's he's doing uh, his part as as you know a turnover guy too for for the Chiefs. And he's a, he's going to be somebody who's going to get picked on a lot this week. They're probably going to try and match up Demarius Thomas on him to give him a sort of advantage. But he's still a big bodied guy and he's still very athletic. So he's going to be the one to watch. And um, if he plays really well, he can shut down the Broncos. And if he doesn't play very well, he's going to get exposed throughout the game. Terrence Mitchell. And Albert Wilson are both my uh, my survival of the fittest guys. Perfect. I like that too because those are two guys that are not on the big radar. You know, a lot of people want to talk about Kareem Hunt or they want to talk about uh, Justin Houston or whatever the case is. So those yeah. are definitely two good athletes to watch that aren't your main, you know, ESPN guys. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And I think as Bill Belichick, we said in some like NFL sounds of the game or whatever clip it was but he was on the sideline and uh, and he was just kind of losing his mind a bit and he said we can't let their best player beat us that is a sin and I thought it was brilliant and you know when when you let another team's best player beat you it's because you didn't prepare well enough right so basically you know the Broncos should be able to eliminate the best players for the Chiefs which means that the Chiefs are going to need to use their secondary players to really make some noise and I think that's what they're going to do with guys like Wilson and Mitchell 
That's smart. I like it. So on our side, on the Broncos side here, we have, obviously, I'll talk about the offense here in a minute, but to start with the defense, I think that with Shane Ray back, we now have Shaq Barrett, Shane Ray, and Von Miller all very, very good pass rushers. However, we need to make sure that we stop the run to make sure that they pass and have the pressure on the on the the very fast receivers to make sure that they don't get open as fast as as fast as Vaughn can get to the quarterbacks. However, I think right now we talked a little bit about Andy Reid being able to spread the ball out and spread options. So I think Todd Davis and Brandon Marshall are going to be my defensive players to watch my defensive survival of the fittest because they're they have the toughest job on that defense and that's a you have to be able to keep up the great run defense that we've been keeping so far this year but at the same time you have to be able to cover some of those you know the Kareem Hunts or the Travis Kelseys who are fast in the pass as well and then not only that but now you have to to stop the the jet sweep as well so there's a lot of things that those guys are going to have to do and, and keep an eye out. So as far as mentally, they're going to have to be on the ball and very smart. And I have 100% faith that both Brandon Marshall and Todd Davis can be able to do that. But that's where mistakes start happening. When you have 50 or 60 different places that you have to be, depending on what the play is, that's when mental mistakes can start happening. So uh, expect a huge game out of Brandon Marshall and Todd Davis coming this week. On the offensive side, is it fair to say that the whole offense is my survival of the fittest? Because <laughs> I, I think that's what I really need to go to. Manalik Watson is still day by day, but I'm hoping that he's back. And if he's back, I think our offense clicks a little bit better. And I think Simeon's a little bit more comfortable in the pocket. The other person that I also want to mention coming back is Jake Butt. So Jake Butt we picked up in the draft, and he's a, a huge tight end coming in. Uh, really expecting him to, to do a lot of great things for our offense. Is he going to be the key? Is he going to get our offense going from getting shut out to scoring 30 points? I don't think so, but I think he does bring a little bit of a fresh face and a little bit of something that we can rely on if for a little bit more checkdowns as well. So now we have three great tight ends that we can pull in. We could, we could play a little bit more inside the box and extend it out and... I think Jake Butt's going to I think he's going to get his first catch, maybe his first touchdown in this game. So, I would look out for him, but I think my key player, my survival of the fittest on the offense is going to be the offensive line and the right tackle. If Manalik Watson plays, it's going to be Manalik Watson. If not, they're going to put Barbary back there cuz we don't really have anybody else and if Barbary's there, he's going to be our survival of the fittest guy to watch on the offense. All right, so those are your players to watch out for on both the Denver side and the Kansas City side going into this Monday night. So next up is our favorite where we get to have a little bit of fun and try to predict the score. I will be honest with you, the last two games we have both been absolutely horrible and and (laughs) trying to predict the score here. Going into Rain Man this week. Rain Man this week. All right, Rain Man this week. We haven't had a Rain Man since week one when you predicted the original Los Angeles Chargers game. So uh, one of us is due for for calling it. So what does your all-important spreadsheet tell us? What what is your spreadsheet telling us the score is going to be here? Oh, man, my spreadsheet's telling me I might have wasted my time on my spreadsheet. I've been been off every week since (laughs) I've been using it. But um, nevertheless, um, it's actually pretty interesting to look at this week because the the Denver – defense and the Chiefs offense actually match up quite well. They're both top units. This is the first week that the defense of the Broncos are are meeting such a a high-powered offense. They're 
ranked from one to you know six eight kind of like as a range in terms of their nfl ranking in a number of categories so they're they're really really good Um, but on the flip side though the chiefs defense they both sit towards the bottom middle of their of the league neither one of them are really extraordinary so it they balance each other out quite well and this could either be you know quite a high scoring game or it could really be a defensive game you know we I, we have really no way of knowing nobody has any way of knowing but you know i still think under the lights monday night game i think the chiefs are gonna take this one sorry broncos fan i really think they do uh, they do win this one and i'm gonna call a 24 17 win for the chiefs all right so i i do want to mention you said that the broncos have not faced a high-powered offense in the chiefs yet but let's flip that too the chiefs have yet to face a high-powered defense like the Broncos as well they haven't really faced anybody that really has the depth and talent all across the defense as the Broncos so it's going to be interesting to see if they can still put up the the numbers and points that they do against let's say the Raiders or the Patriots awful defense this year so that's going to be that's going to be interesting to watch so my guess on the score, and this is, I don't have a spreadsheet. This is just off the old noggin, which has been wrong for the past, you know, <laughs> all, all year. Um, I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to flip it. I, and you said 21, seven, or you said 24, 17. Uh, yeah, 24, 17. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to say 21, 17, but I think it's going to be the Broncos. I think we're going to figure it out. And I think we're going to be able to click. I, I do say, I think one of the touchdowns if it's not a special teams or defensive touchdown i think the special teams defense is going to set us up real well probably gives the ball in the red zone to start so in my bold prediction for this week i'm going to add a little bit more than just the score my bold prediction is so far the kansas city chiefs have not turned the ball over but once they fumbled the ball once in their first game kareen hunt's first ever carry and has not turned the ball over since no fumbles no interceptions i think this is the week the broncos get their a big pick or a big fumble recovery this week that puts us in scoring position i think that's what's really gonna if it's not a pick six it's gonna put us in really good scoring position so i guess bold prediction i need to be a little bit more specific i think alex smith throws his first interception this year and i'm gonna get even bolder and i'm gonna say it's to chris harris jr interesting all right going into our final segment in famous last words so normally after a loss i give these to matt but i do have uh, a couple things to say if you don't mind me taking this one matt yeah you know what after all these losses you've been going through i'll I'll give this one to you i think you need you know you need a victory for yourself here (laughs) i appreciate it thank you famous last words so Obviously, we are three and three on the season, and as Broncos fans, uh, we are very dedicated Broncos fans, and we get emotionally wrapped up when things start going wrong and when things start going right. However, right now things are starting to go a little bit downhill, and you've seen a lot of fans start—I wouldn't say jump ship, but start pointing fingers and calling for you know trades and get rid of this guy, get rid of that guy, and and a lot of it stems from the offense. But I think we need to stay on course. I think as fans, we can't just be jumping ship on certain players that we've had just because we've had a couple of bad games look forward to the rest of the season there's still a lot of season left to play we're not even halfway through the season right now and this game is going to be where it starts i i don't i'm not going to say that this game is a must win game but i think it's more of a we kind of need to win this game now if we lose this game i don't think we're done for the season i don't think our season's over i don't think it's the end of the world however if we do get this big game we have a lot of momentum going forward not only in the division because we've only lost one divisional game so far 
but going forward and going into a bunch of other teams that are much better than the Giants and the Chargers that we've played in the past. So I don't say that this is a must-win game, but definitely a need-to-win game going forward. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. And from both me and Matt, we definitely appreciate everything you guys have, have done for us and listen to us. Make sure you rate and subscribe to the podcast. Matt, you anything, got anything to say before we go? No, man, just have a good game. I'm rooting for both the Broncos and the Chiefs. Uh, you know, I got a lot of Chiefs players on my fantasy team, so I need those points, <laughs> but, you know, I'd love to see the Broncos win. They definitely deserve it. Make sure you guys tune in on Monday night. Make sure you guys check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash orangeweekly, and check out our live shows. We do a halftime hash as well during the halftime, which has been getting a lot of good feedback going forward. So make sure you guys join in on that. Make sure you subscribe right to all of our podcasts. Thanks again to The Mad Fanatic for the music for our podcast. And that being said, go Broncos, and we'll catch you guys next week. Orange, man. See ya. I'm riding orange, man.